0: Twenty-one twenty-five is the time. You can, you, you've got my word. That will happen, and certainly, let's get on with the conversation now, guys. Mr. Daniel Duplessis, spokesperson for Moko, after the break is on the line. Tweet at SFM Radio and at Songezo Songa is here, and we are now what thirty-five minutes shy of the end of the program here on Tuesday, the twentieth of December, twenty twenty. Now, about two years ago, the Department of Defense said a major challenge it was facing was the decline in the ability to maintain equipment with stock levels inadequate to support current defense commitments, probably made worse by the challenges experienced by Danel. The department also mentioned how a reduction in the training budget has seen training cut back significantly with capabilities not at the required level to combat readiness. Well, that should be enough to scare any nation for the purposes of sovereignty. Further, the development of locally produced defense equipment and solutions has, for a long time now, been at the backbone of establishing South Africa's capability to maintain their own sovereign sovereignty and assist the rest of the continent in peacekeeping operations, which South Africa certainly does, most certainly and notably at a UN level on the continent. Now, technological innovations in the defense industry have always played a crucial role and continue to play an increasing crucial role in the overall innovation for civilian applications. South Africa is no exception and we cannot lag behind when it comes to defense, naturally. This evening, in conversation with Mulcor, a proudly South African defense and aerospace company that offers turnkey defense solutions in air, land and sea systems, They have developed the MILCOR 380, Africa's first Category 4 and largest unmanned aerial vehicle, UAV that is, ever produced. This is the first UAV unmanned aerial vehicle to recall of this size to be fully developed hardware, software, testing and rollout and manufactured in South Africa. Capable of 35 hours of flight time and the ability to carry some 210 kilograms of external payloads for various types of sensors, the MILCOR 380 can be used across multiple sectors to combat existing issues in border security, maritime surveillance, conservation efforts and other reconnaissance operations throughout the country. The spokesperson for the entity MILCOR, Mr. Daniel Duplessis, is on the line. Donnie, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Uh, Good good evening Sungezo, how are you? I'm well, man. How's it? I'm well, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I think you you summed it up quite well. It was quite a mouthful.
0: But only because it was synthesized for me and there are a lot of things from a defense um, terminology perhaps that we probably just need to clarify. Let's start first about what a UAV typically would be used for, why a defense system needs to deploy it, how it is useful, what's the value of it being unmanned as opposed to being manned, and the technology from hardware and software and testing that goes into a UAV. So educators generally speaking about the UAV and incorporate where you will the MoCOR All
1: right, So, so the purpose of unmanned aerial vehicles primarily is for, as you correctly mentioned, reconnaissance and surveillance missions basically to, to stay in the air as long as possible, using high, highly advanced sensors and camera systems to collect as much information as possible over a typical geometry or field or combat area, even for, for reconnaissance purposes and intelligence purposes as well. And the reason for it being unmanned is that there's a few things worth that, primarily that you can stay in the air for longer. The human elements such as fatigue, tiredness, cold, Those kind of things are taken out of the equation. If you don't have a pilot on board the airframe, you can also have trained personnel on the ground operating the system with shifts intermittently interchanging between one another. So from an operational point of view, the advantages is just a longer endurance and increased efficiency in mission operation success.
0: How does one differentiate from this definition you've offered, or this description, differentiate a UAV and a drone in the typical sense?
1: So, so they are actually quite interchangeable. Uh, I think the Americans made the term drone quite popular and, and second nature to most people. Um, but primarily, when it comes to this size, the right terminology is what we refer to as an, a UAV or an unmanned aerial vehicle.
0: Let's talk about the Department of Defense. I mean, I'm not asking you to exactly go on a bashing parade, but it is an open secret, if even is that, that the Defense Department has been under pressure. Whether it is political pressure or just resource pressure, all of that, generally speaking, doesn't speak well of the nation's capabilities, if ever it came to that to protect her territorial sovereignty. Now, these challenges obviously create room of the kind that private sector has to fill in. But could you talk to us just purely from a defense capability perspective, the importance of a country to be able to offer the kinds of equipment and manpower with the necessary skills to be on high alert at all times, the value of that for a country?
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. I think that's one of one of the main mandates that a defense force has, and the Department of Defense is responsible for. I think whether whether the state of our nation's defense force is to be questioned—that's open. Uh, but I think on a on a functionality on a functionality level, on a basic level, it is quite important for a few reasons, and I and I think that's what I actually want to touch on. Sure, go for is it. Is it's very important. To, I, it's very important for, for South Africa as a country to be able to defend, firstly, its borders and control the in and outflow of immigrants to this country and out of it. It's also important for South Africa to fulfill its mandate and its responsibility for what it became quite well known for Africa is assisting in keeping operations and supplying world-class defense equipment. And I think because the decline in South Africa's defense innovations have been quite well seen over the past few years, this decline in capabilities is also quite noticeable. And I think people, especially African countries, are looking elsewhere to source their equipment, which has a major economic blow Mm. uh, to the South African defense industry as well. So new innovations is actually quite essential for the whole ecosystem or economic system to work continuously.
0: I would imagine precisely because of that and the loss of capability in the general sense of our defense force, it has created room, albeit in the private sector, for the likes of milk to, because nature doesn't allow for a vacuum to fill in that gap. But it's probably also opened up your, yourselves to markets in the greater continent. And that certainly is good for the business profile, isn't it?
1: yeah that's that's very true I think um, a lot of people with the decline of new innovations and new projects to work on when seeking for employment elsewhere and I think a lot of them found jobs abroad and a lot of them found jobs with us on systems and, and projects such as this so we are quite grateful for the fact that we have these skilled individuals with us and that can assist in the future transfer of knowledge within the company and within the
0: To what extent, then, with this UAV, the Milcor three hundred and eighty, can we anticipate that it will be the go-to UAV on the continent? I'm asking this perhaps in the context of, say, the defence capabilities of the United States, particularly in the air through their drones and the F thirty-five. These are well and thoroughly well. These are highly sought after um military equipment, particularly in the Middle East, for instance, if you engage their contra the, 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 the contracts with Saudi Arabia and the like. Can we see this sort of movement in relation to this MilCOR three eighty that it will be in high demand given the benefits of it being unmanned and removing all the human error that could be associated yeah, with
1: so, that? So Yeah. No, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you there. I, I thought you would no, no, no. for it. so. Go for it. So, the main differences between between the F thirty five, for example, that's a, that's an attack aircraft, and a, I think it is well received throughout the world. I think there's only a few competitors from Europe and and some other countries that that can rival it. The UAV market itself is actually what I want to focus on, because this is a very specific product. In the future, we might look at developing new and similar products to rival those, but. For the for the time being i want to stick to this and yeah, sure. there are only a handful of countries that actually has the ability to completely develop now you mentioned it quite well from a hardware and software level to composite manufacturing the full system integration testing qualification and deployment and training to to end users all of this capability is only available to a handful of countries around the world and Um, Although America has a lot of experience in systems, we have developed a system to match their standard. And and I think one of the main things to also take into consideration is the various political pressures, trade embargoes that countries might face. So we do foresee this product being a viable option for many African countries and many countries around the world, especially Middle Eastern countries as well. So to answer your your question short, yes, it's developed the same technical standards to be capable of functioning at the same technical and operational level. Um, and because South Africa has a really strong relationship with the rest of the African countries and certain other regions, it is a strategic point for us to actually also market it from here and make it available.
0: How much of the Milcore 380 is composed of the IP and the equipment? from south africa in other words if i was engaging you from an international trade perspective i would ask the question rules of origin so when i look at the milk 380 how much of it does not come either from the ip or materials from south africa in other words is this 100% in every way a south african product
1: it is definitely not i think i think one thing we have to understand is that south africa although it, it is quite Advanced compared to other African countries when it comes to industrialization, manufacturing processes, there are still some key elements, some specific things that we cannot manufacture or source from this country. So, certain components are obviously imported, certain materials, certain elements, and certain key aspects of it are. So, I can't I can't give you an estimated figure out of out of my head. I think I have to actually put it down and jot it down on paper, but what i can say is that everything is built and is built and completely integrated within this country that means that even on a on a pcb level so even on a software motherboard level you have populated electronics and electronic components onto that even up to that level of detail we have to go down and manufacture these things and so although all the parts that are available in South Africa. We use typically the composites and the manufacturing, the airframe parts are widely available within the South African borders. And some other parts are not, and we have to source them from, from somewhere else.
0: For those wondering to whom I'm speaking, the conversation is with Mr. Daniel Duplessis, spokesperson for MILCOR. MILCOR are a proudly South African defense and aerospace company that offers turnkey defense solutions for air, land, and sea systems. And specifically now we are praising their efforts in the release or the marketing of MILCOR 380 as this world-class product, which is not only useful for our own defense system, but for that of the African continent. If we could suspend the defense-based question only for a moment because I'm just thinking about the utility of the product now, more especially against what in South Africa certainly is a concern. I wouldn't go to the extent of saying it's a headache, although others might. This product has cross functions. For instance, if you monitor the movements on the ground, of course, you're just not monitoring hippos and tanks and the like from a threatening perspective. But migration of people and communities. I would imagine this is something that could be deployed by the Department. Of home affairs, for instance, and for border control purposes, Mm -hmm. surely that capability that it would otherwise use for defense could be used just to protect the movements of people into our border. Because if it's not just a home affairs issue in time, and others might suggest it already is a national sovereignty question that has to be looked at in that context, as opposed to just people moving the borders, moving through our borders illegally. Daniel?
1: Yeah. That's a a very good question. I think think this UAV actually has um, some ad hoc functionalities beyond its intended purpose for reconnaissance and surveillance. Intelligence gathering is still its primary function. And whether that's used in a defense sector or in a civil application, it, it doesn't really differ from the actual use case scenario and the type of equipment you have on board. So yes, in something like border security, this would be extremely useful. For African government, albeit whichever department, if it's Department of Home Affairs or some other form of intelligence gathering agency or branch, that might also be quite useful. Some other aspects that I could also mention is that it's also quite well suited for maritime surveillance, meaning that you can track ships and shipping lanes, economic zones on the ocean, and you can also do surveillance of highly available items such as offshore oil rigs or gas rigs, for example. So from an economic perspective, the use case of such a a drone or such an unmanned aerial vehicle can actually stretch a lot further beyond the defense sector Mm, if mm. we actually collectively sit and discuss these issues. Well,
0: it's just staying within the defence sector. I mean, it's an open secret, another open secret about our defence capabilities as a country, that we don't have enough ships, and excuse the pun, we're not talking about ships and vessels, to monitor what is going on in our EEZ and our territorial waters. That has to be a major concern. If we're talking about 3,000 or so kilometres of coastline in the country, and we're a country that can be infiltrated from the west, from the south, and from the east, we certainly would need sea capabilities at a minimum to know where the enemy is coming in to give us the necessary lead time to arrange our forces and our systems on the ground to be able to ward off that threat. That surely, this Milko 380, has got a very strong, if you like, a deployment capability to at least in the short term cover that gap that we don't have the vessels in our
1: waters. That's, that's very true. I think one of these unmanned aerial vehicles can actually perform the capability of a few manned ships, uh, purely for the fact that it flies so high in the air, so the reach that it can actually look out to and look beyond visual range um, is actually quite tremendous. So I completely agree with you. This, this vessel has been developed specifically for the Defence Force, but it can actually perform multiple different types of roles within the Defence Force in various respective branches, be it the Navy or the Marines or be it the Air Force, be it... The army for reconnaissance purposes, it, it can stretch quite far. So, I agree. the The coastline is quite big on the southern on southern, uh, southern Africa. Well, our um,
0: space agency I, is equally a potential client. I mean, the space agency looks at. The vegetation and the changes over time to our natural vegetation, the migration of persons and communities, how wildlife in itself, from a sensor perspective as well as from a, a nature conservation perspective. So, in other words, the utility of the MOCO 380 shouldn't just be seen as a defence um, system, but rather a system that can be used to track the kinds of movements and changes in the air, at sea, and especially on land where other departments then could be beneficiaries. The question now is, are those conversations taking place at that level where perhaps we don't have to make investments that we already have at our disposal?
1: That's exactly – that's a very good point that you make there. These are th- some of the things that we've been putting to the table and working hard to make available to the South African government it is – kind of pushing this narrative that this is something that could be used beyond the defense sector for multiple different civil and governmental applications. And even it doesn't really matter which department actually operates this this equipment, which operates the system directly, that the information that you gather when flying this and, and doing your surveillance missions could be made available to multiple different branches within government as well. And um, these are some of the discussions that are taking place, but I think it's it's taking place at a rather slowish speed to our liking, if I could put it bluntly, purely for the fact that I I think we we sometimes do not look within ourselves first as a country to develop and make use of the capabilities that are available, and often tend to just look outward and find an already proven or or combat if effective solution from from a foreign country and I think there's a few issues that also arise from that as well.
0: We're having a conversation about a proudly South African product which is a highly technical um, piece of equipment let me call it that for lack of a better term and I see something which is very important the context of our economic outlook that this is locally produced at a facility in Cape Town. How much now of the facility itself, for instance, not so much for milk or 380 purposes, but just to benefit from the facility and its teachings to engage technological advancements and on a mass scale for young people, equipment, technological equipment manufacturing for young people on a mass scale, particularly the science of it all, not just as a, I mean, this is ultimately a data center. And, and and that is just as important, more especially when the conversations include, among others but not limited to, the fourth industrial revolution. How much of the capacity available at MILCOR beyond the product, Milco 380 itself, can be used and be something that can be bequeathed to the nation, if not from a CSI perspective, just as a responsible
1: corporate? That's, a, that's also a very good question. I think the Caton facility... Is about 10,000 square meters, and there's about 200 to 220 engineers that work there, from performing various various types of roles, varying from mechanical and aeronautical aeronautical engineers to hardware and software engineers, and and actual software writers as well. These range, as I previously mentioned as well, some skilled individuals that have 30 years of experience working in projects such as these, and also quite a high number of young, dedicated engineers from the top four universities within South Africa, um, all South African people working either either with previous experience in the defense sector or brand new recruits with a hunger and a passion for this. Um, so touching quickly on the capability side of it, one of the major benefactors from innovations such as these are actual applications as well so the the communications for example that's been developed have have line of sight communications of up to 200 kilometers these could be used to monitor game farms conservational efforts minings uh, mining industries and mining sectors law mine enforcement, dis- itself.
0: Frankly, could also be a beneficiary law enforcement in terms of yes. tracking movements of criminals
1: tracking movements of criminals, communications and encrypted communications networks to combat the high crime rates that we have as well. Beyond that, we also have a very capable team of software and hardware engineers that could develop quite advanced AI systems for object recognition, pattern recognition, machine learning, high data processing. So all of these systems that have been put in place to develop this specific project could individually be expanded on in the the near future um, for the civil applications and for various different types of law enforcement and security, security agencies.
0: How do we do that? How do we use this platform? How do we use the vantage point that you are in? How do we engage the challenges, the country in which you are making this wonderful product, which surely will be available to the continent? How do we ensure that in every part of its meat and skin it is of benefit to the country how in other words could we for instance assist milk engage the necessary um, departments or institutions for the purposes of using that skill which you say certainly is in abundance and very unique to benefit the country at large surely there must be something available for south africa yet to benefit from you guys
1: yeah, no, I completely agree. I think one of the major things and one of the primary things that needs to happen is that the risk of a, government branches needs to approach us as a private company and and kind of guide us into what what requirements they have. I think there's, there should be an open book policy where we discuss these these issues and come up with feasible solutions in in a very rapid turnaround time. I think that's from a from a governmental perspective. I think for private securities private security companies and other private companies throughout South Africa that have a similar vested interest in protecting their own assets, they can also contact us. And we can look and explore some options of including some of this capability in private applications as well. Um, Obviously, there are some limitations to what we could do there. But in in a larger sense, a lot of these technologies are readily available for application throughout multiple sectors. And I think the more we know... We've been building on this project for the last seven years and we've been building on the human resources to be able to do such a project for the last seven years. I think one thing that's, that's becoming quite apparent now is that it, we will continue to grow, but um, it might be within some sectors, fields within the sub, sub areas of this project. And I, we, we are actually quite excited about that as well. Let's talk about the
0: uptake. I mean, um, and, and um, I know I'm pushing the envelope here, but I mean, the uptake agreements that could potentially be out there, which countries have shown an interest or which entities have shown an interest in the three 380, in other words, where is the demand coming from?
1: Um, I have to be quite discreet yes, so I'm just selecting my words quite carefully. But I could say that primarily from the African continent, there's been a few countries that have shown interest, countries that have considered uh equipping some of these systems from foreign countries or countries outside of the African economy um, and looking already at, at equipping those which have paused their discussions and considering now making use of this as well. These are primarily uh, defense forces and, and end users within the, the Ministry of Defense within that country or within those countries. So, yeah, that's, that's all I can say at the moment. I think from a South African perspective, there's a lot of interest shown in the uses of UAVs um, for multiple different, different applications. One to this scale, I think, makes it quite difficult to go beyond the defense sector, but the technologies within actually does allow for some maneuverability for several applications as well. And that's why I mentioned previously, these discussions need to start happening so that we can tailor make these solutions.
0: Well, let's leave it there. Thank you so much, Mr. Donnie Duplessy, spokesperson for MILCOR, giving us a thoroughly insightful discussion about not just the defense capability of the MILCOR 380, but also just the general governance capabilities that could be used in the air to monitor what happens in the air, on land, at sea, and the cross-cutting function and functionality of the product for governance and our related configuration of government systems. Donnie, thank you so much for your time, man.
1: Thanks so much, Engeso. Have a good evening.
0: Certainly. You too. 21.51. We're going to go very light after this break.